listening to The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash noahfilipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. What up everybody? Welcome to episode 42 of The Flip Side Podcast. I know you regular listeners are going, what? Two Flipside episodes in the same week? Crazy, I know. It is one of the signs of the apocalypse. I, I Actually, I shouldn't say that because... Uh, there's... <laughs> Sorry. I will say it. I will say it. There's certain things that I see on Facebook from, you know, friends, you know what I mean, acquaintances. I'm not going to be any more specific than that. And you go for real, for real. Like, I try I try to not say things that will make you never listen to my podcast again. But for real, if you think the COVID-19 vaccine is a is a sign of the apocalypse is a sign of the government trying to take over you know controlling human bodies or something i don't know i don't know i don't know (laughs) how did i start with this this is terrible please stop just don't it's not it's fine everything's fine nobody's trying to take over the human race using the coronavirus or the COVID-19 vaccination. You heard it here first on the flip side. Get vaccinated. My, my wife, she's a teacher. She got her vaccine round one. So I'll let you know. I'll let you know over these next few episodes if I see her being controlled. I don't know. Is it Joe Biden that has the, the little kind of like a remote control car thing where you can kind of go up, down, left, right? Uh, I don't know. But I'll, I'll let you know if, if she starts showing signs of her brain being altered by the Antichrist or anything. Now I'm really in trouble. <laughs> I'm really in trouble. My whole point. What was my whole point with that? I don't even remember. Oh, the sign of the apocalypse is that there's two flip side episodes in the same week. There's actually going to be another one next week. You're going to get three flip side podcasts within two weeks. It is like Christmas. If Christmas wasn't enough for you, if Christmas during COVID was a bit of a letdown, we have extended Christmas into the end of January by giving you three Flipside episodes back to back to back. So if you missed episode 41, I interviewed Wesley Hill, particularly talking about his book, Spiritual Friendship, and this idea of covenant friendships as a alternative path a path of love, a path of of relational intimacy for celibate gay Christians. And so check that out. Check that episode out. And Wesley is a fantastic person, fantastic writer. Highly recommend Washed and Waiting and Spiritual Friendship. Those are the two books of his that I've read. Uh, If you're gay or same-sex attracted, as a Christian and wrestling and trying to follow what the Bible says about sex and marriage, 
check those out as a as a as a guy who has blazed the trail, a guy with incredible courage, a guy that will really walk with you through those books uh, on your journey. And if you're a pastor or a straight Christian and and you you want to be an ally, you want to help. And the 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 cross, the heavy cross. We you know that phrase. It's a biblical phrase, you know, um, picking up your cross and following Jesus. I think the cross is heavier for those who are, uh, excuse me, same-sex attracted or identify as gay, Christians. Um, it's a heavy cross. And that, that path that Wesley's living of choosing a life of celibacy, that is a heavy cross. That's a heavy cross to bear. And so uh, pastors particularly and straight Christians to be able to come alongside our brothers and sisters and help bear some of the weight of that cross with them is huge. So check that out. Last episode uh, today, I interview Preston Sprinkle. We are talking about his book, Embodied, Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say. So I won't let the cat out of the bag too much because you're already on, you're in, you're hooked, you're listening. Uh, Stay tuned in a few moments for that interview. It is a really, really good conversation and what an important topic for for really many of the same reasons I just talked about with Wesley and as Preston, you know, we talk a lot about LGBTQ and the LGB side of that conversation, people that are that are living with and struggling with same-sex attraction and being able to help carry their cross, but then those living the T side uh, of that and the, the transgender side of that and the cross that they are bearing and really this new frontier of understanding and, and how to find a path of discipleship for those that struggle with gender dysphoria and or a transgender identity. And so, man, thank you for listening today. Thank you for being willing to listen. Even if you listen to the conversation with Wesley last week, conversation today and and uh, with Preston, and you just go, I disagree. You know, thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing yourself to be challenged. And so I will prep that interview a bit more here in a moment. But next week, this is all sort of a series in, in a way. I didn't plan it that way, but it, it's happened this way. Next week, I'm going to be interviewing Lori Krieg about her book, An Impossible Marriage. It's written by her and her husband, Matt Krieg. And the subtitle is What Our Mixed Orientation Marriage Has Taught Us About Love and the Gospel. Lori is a woman attracted to women, and Matt is a man attracted to women. And uh, these are two followers of Christ who are uh, submitting to and, and obeying the Bible's design for for uh, sex and, and marriage. And it's not an easy road. And their story and their book has incredible lessons for anyone, single or married, going through anything on, on, on Jesus being uh, what, what fills us up. And, and there's so many parallels uh, between that message and my book, Beyond the Battle, that we need Jesus to fill us up. And we can't find that filling from a sexual relationship or from a marriage or from a dating relationship or a gay relationship or a straight relationship. We can't find that anywhere but in but in Jesus. And so to be able to walk alongside of people that are 
that are looking for that in so many different places, the way I'm looking for that in pornography or sex outside of my marriage or in fantasy and in imagining uh, and, and, you know, there, there's the drugs that are um, narcotics that, that you can ingest and put in your body. But then there's these other drugs that we take that give us a fix, that give us that emotional hit of that, that feeling and that sense of satisfaction and peace. And, and in, in that sense, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat that we're looking for that in different places. And there is a path of discipleship, a path of intimacy with Jesus. And it's not, it's not Jesus alone. It's it's Jesus as the center and as the foundation and then ushering us into community with others that are following Jesus where where I really believe the body of Christ that's meant to be taken more literally than we usually take it. We just kind of flip that phrase around body of Christ from 1 Corinthians 12 uh, like it's a metaphor of some kind or maybe it's about spiritual gifts and I think the body of Christ that metaphor, that analogy, it's used on purpose, the body of Christ, that Jesus, his body, his physical body, walked this earth for 33 years. It, uh, he died, resurrected. His body ascended into heaven. And then we are told that we are his body. We are told that the body of Christ, the church, is the body of Jesus. And so when the church smiles at you, it's Jesus smiling at you, his body smiling at you. When the church hugs you, it's Jesus hugging you. It's his body hugging you. When the church has a listening ear, it's Jesus's body's listening ear listening to you. I just think that's huge. It's so, so huge. And frankly, we just <laughs> we need to do a better job of being Jesus's body. So thank you for going on this journey, going to some uncomfortable places. Uh, my prayer is for humility for all of us that we can love. Is Je- Jesus just had this amazing way of loving people that the religious society had outcast. And, and he did it, but still was able to teach things that, you know, maybe then as well, but certainly to those, he taught things that those people weren't living. That makes sense, right? So he was able to love prostitutes and he was able to love, and I mean love, like friendships, eating with. Uh, they became his disciples. You know, uh, the, the thing of the Samaritan woman at the well, this ostracized woman in society or in Luke 7, the, the woman with the sinful reputation who washes Jesus' feet with her tears. And, and we don't have a timeline. We don't know when. Did their behavior change, you know, if it changed, when it changed? But we know that these people were drawn to Jesus, and we also know that he said things that were true. He he said things about God's design for living, God's design for marriage, God's design for sex that disagreed with the way those individuals were living their lives, but they still were in Jesus's circle. They still walked with him. They were still friends with him. He still ate with them. And wow, right? we we need to figure out how to do more of that because it feels like an either or, doesn't it? It feels like an either or. And, and you have churches that are, we stand on the truth and this is what's right. And they, and they do and say things in a way that totally turns people off to the gospel. That they, They're not drawing uh, non-church people. They're not drawing unchristian people to Jesus. Those unchristian people are saying, wow, you're full of hate and judgment and all these sorts of things. 
And on the other side, you have churches that are saying, you know, do whatever you want, you know, live however you want. We're not, uh, you know, the Bible, it's all kind of relative anyway, but, you know, and, and, and there's really, it's, it's all just mush and there's no, there's no repentance. There's no, and, and we, we have to, in the way Jesus did, we have the model of Jesus that where he, he was able to do both. He was able to preach a gospel of repentance and also a gospel that drew like a magnet to him, uh, the marginalized of society, the the broken, the stepped on, the downtrodden. Sometimes that was because of of their behaviors. Sometimes it was because of you know prostitution or or uh, sinful reputation. Other times it was because of of illnesses like leprosy or you know wh- whatever it may be. Uh, but he he attracted people that the church rejected. It wouldn't have been called the church at the time. But if he were to come today. I think we'd be surprised. I think we'd be surprised uh, the people that would attend Jesus's church. And so we just need to continue challenging ourselves to be like Jesus. That's that's what it means, right? To follow Jesus, to be his disciples. So a few a few podcast housekeeping things before jumping in. Uh, invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. And if you subscribe and listen, thank you. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already left a review, I would love it if you did that. It's hard to find on iTunes, but if you can find out how to leave a review on iTunes, Google how to do it and then give yourself a gold star if you can figure it out. Uh, that'd be awesome. Uh, a couple other things, beyondthebattle.net. We are actively looking to launch some new groups, some groups for guys that want to walk seven weeks online with me and my team and walking through with some other guys on how to find uh, this that wholeness in Jesus uh, instead of finding it in women, instead of finding it in sex and relationships. And so check that out, beyondthebattle.net, if you want to jump on the waiting list for our next group. Uh, you can support the podcast, Podbean. What is it? <laughs> Podbean.com slash Noah Philippiak. Uh, and then also, shout out to our new podcast sponsor, Angry Brew. Today, I'm drinking Chris's Blend from Five Lakes. So Angry Brew is our sponsor. They are a brew of Five Lakes Coffee. And if you purchase Chris's Blend or Angry Brew from FiveLakes.com or AngryBrew.com, use the promo code FLIP. Get it? Like the flip side, F-L-I-P. The flip and you'll get 10% off. And that also helps support uh, this show, the podcast itself, Chris's blend. I don't know if I've talked about yet. It is a medium roast. So if you're into medium roast, it's your blend and a dollar of every bag is donated to forgotten children's ministry in Honduras, which is fantastic. Uh, five lakes is owned by a friend of mine and his brother. They're both Christians. And I'm super thankful that they are supporting the flip side and supporting this message, the stuff that we're doing on here, which hopefully is paving a path uh, that helps people get onto uh, the path of following Jesus in a deeper, a deeper and uh, more, you know, finding that intimacy in Christ that all of us need. So, uh, with that, let's jump into our interview today with Preston. Let me read you his bio. Uh, first off, you can find Preston on Twitter and Insta- uh, Twitter at Preston Sprinkle, Instagram it's at Preston uh, Sprinkle, and then also PrestonSprinkle.com. And his uh, his bio, Preston Sprinkle, Ph.D., 
is an international speaker and New York Times bestselling author who's written a dozen books, including Embodied, Transgender Identity, The Church, and What the Bible Has to Say, and People to be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue. Preston currently serves as the president of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, an organization that equips Christians to engage questions of faith, sexuality, and gender with theological faithfulness and courageous love. Preston also hosts the popular podcast, Theology in the Raw. More popular than this podcast. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> the popular podcast, Theology in the Raw, and posts regularly on his YouTube channel, Preston Sprinkle. So, Sit back. Uh, I hope this. I hope this interview helps you. I, I hope it stretches you. And if you are out there struggling and wondering about your gender dysphoria or your trans identity, I hope that this interview tells you that you're loved and that I love you. That that we can talk. Like I want to be your friend. I, uh, reach out to me. And I, and I, I didn't mention this earlier, but podcast at beyond the battle.net. Uh, you can, you can email the show and I uh, would love to, would love to be a support for you. So with that, let's bring in Preston. All right, Preston, welcome back for round two on the flip side. We are glad to have you back. Thanks for having me back, bro. Yeah. Good to be here. Congratulations on the Dodgers winning the World Series. <laughs> oh, my word. That was a long time coming, man. Um, yeah, but well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah, I wish I, I'm, I'm a little, my only disappointment is that it was during COVID. I mean, uh, you know, it was a little surreal, short season. Most of the games didn't have fans. So, but yeah, it was a good year. It was a good October. A little silver lining in a pretty otherwise terrible year <laughs> well i was gonna mention it is it is kind of it is kind of cute that the dodgers won the world series that doesn't actually count for anything because it's was a 60 game <laughs> season it's kind of like a big kind of like winning the preseason you know we know it doesn't really matter <laughs> we, we know that it, it doesn't it doesn't actually matter but i'm i'm glad that you guys won it you know i'm glad you kind of have one, that one could argue the opposite they, they do it a 60 game season is even more difficult but we it's, yeah but that's not why we're here it's kind, it's kind of like winning game one of the world series i mean it's good congratulations so yeah yeah i just want i wanted to congratulate you on that as a baseball fan so uh, the reds will never win one so i have to all i can do is, is <laughs> mock other teams so as long i, I, I mock and i mock my own team so yeah very good well hey man yeah let's jump in we got a lot to get to um with embodied uh your new book and um let's let me just say talking about transgender identities is so mm -hmm. hard and it's so complex i mean and, and i i say this yeah. uh obviously knowing this isn't what I'm doing or what we should do, but why shouldn't we just stick our heads in the sand on it when it comes to this issue? That's a great question. I don't know if I've, I've uh, had that as a leading question yet. Um, I mean, it, well, to, to play on that a little bit, people could say, isn't just, isn't this such a tiny yeah, portion right. of the population? You know, aren't there so many other issues that affect, you know, 50%, 75%, hundred percent of of all people, um, which is, you know, I, th I think that's, that's understandable. Somebody might have that, um, you know, uh, perspective, but for one, Jesus left the 99 to, to go after the one Jesus has a posture and a rhythm 
in, in all of the gospels of going after the one who is marginalized, who is pushed to the side, who is uh, treated as the, the one compared to the 99, right? So e even if, we, if it's simply about percentages, all the more reason why we should, um, you know, uh, have a heart for the one who has been marginalized. But also, I mean, the, the maybe the more obvious point is, um, regardless of how many people, what percentage of people identify as trans or experience gender dysphoria, uh, which is growing it's 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 a it's the percentage is is growing quite a bit actually especially among younger people um but also the the conversation around trans uh what it means to be male and female um what the relationship between the body and the brain and even social questions about athletics and and bathrooms and changing spaces mm -hmm. and where do people sleep and not you know um the conversation as a whole really affects some really basic structures of what we believe about human nature and, and how we live in uh, society, you know, as both the church and just as humans in, in, uh, in our case in the United States. So yeah, the, the issues, the, the issues, the topics that surround the trans conversation really do affect most, if not all people. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I ask that because I think that's what a lot of, if not most evangelical conservative churches are doing with this topic is just stick our heads in the sand because one if we talk about it uh we 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 could now you know there's fear right there's fear of of uh i could get prosecuted possibly you know if i were to talk about this or or i know my congregation is split on this topic and so mm -hmm. let's just not talk about it because if we do then we got to answer the emails. Then, then we gonna have to have all these uh, confrontational conversations. People are gonna leave the church. So instead, let's stick our heads in the sand. And uh, not that it's ever bad to preach on, let's say, you know, the John three sixteen, right? Or like the gospel. And but let's just go back to preaching that Jesus rose from the dead and uh, he died on the cross, rose from the dead, and and you know, have a good day. And then we'll do that that same thing next yeah. week. I think that's what I see uh, the church doing when it comes to um to to this topic yeah yeah the, yeah for sure um and i think one of the mistakes that i see churches make um in in good faith you know good intentions you know um is to lump the uh the t <laughs> uh with the lgbtq mm -hmm. acronym you mm -hmm. know um I, I i see this all the time people use lgbt as a synonym for like being gay so they think oh, we did our homosexuality series last year or whatever. And so we've covered LGBT. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. Like the T is actually vastly different than yeah. the LGB. And in what some ways, the very acronym LGBTQ plus can be really unhelpful because you're collapsing uh, a myriad of different kinds of experiences and, and theological and ethical questions um, yeah. Yeah. into one kind of monolithic experience and th this is why you know i i wrote this book in particular because pe people do say wait well, you know i i've got heard, heard people say you know didn't you already write that book referring to my book on um the bible and homosexuality people to be loved and i said actually there's probably um one percent overlap between this mm. book and that book you know because yeah. it, it when you when you are asking questions about male male and female and intersex and trans experiences and gender dysphoria and and all the layers and layers i mean you're you're, you're talking about a really different set of questions so um yeah so churches that feel like well we kind of cover the same sex conversation which even as you know that's more rare than it is 
<laughs> usual for churches to even yeah. you know attack address that. Um, okay, even if they do do that, they still uh, have not addressed the T, um, even though they think they they might have. So, and on top of that, there's just there, I think there is a lot of again well intended um, ignorance, and I, I don't use ignorance in a derogatory way, but a neutral way. There's just a, a a lot of people are like. Look, I don't, I don't know what's going on in this conversation. I, yes. I don't feel equipped yes. to, you know, preach or even talk about it, um, and I don't even know where to go for resources to help me fill in that gap. So, uh, and that's understandable. It, it is um, there's a need, which is why we wrote the book for, you know, more uh, people to really have an informed uh, perspective on it. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, once you and this happened to me, I don't, I don't know what year it was, but. Uh, once you start meeting and befriending and doing ministry for or with uh, people that, and, mm-hmm. and, and correct me on if I'm, I want to be respectful how I say yep. this, but uh, people that have transgender identities, uh, people with gender mm-hmm. dysphoria, uh, different, different ranges of the spectrum, and, and you start hearing their stories, and their yeah. stories start shattering your paradigm that you you have uh for, for me you know as a a straight uh somewhat you know cisgender or non-trans uh man that has no idea no category for for what they struggle with and 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 to hear their life experience and then and then to know that that jesus in the gospel is for them and then trying <laughs> <laughs> trying to uh, pave the road in between those two things. One, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's massive. And two, it makes this an essential conversation uh, for the church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you haven't mm-hmm. had the opportunity to have a relationship with someone like that, uh, it, it doesn't mean they're not out there. It, 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 like you, you right. mentioned in your, in your book, they're, sti- they're sitting in your pew they're just too afraid right. to, you know, to say anything about it. So talk about your journey. Uh, where did this book, what's the genesis of the book yeah. from? Uh, wh- how and when, you know, what, what are some of those types of, of uh, relationships in your life that, that gave you the type of empathy that you now have? Yeah, good question. I, you know, th- this book really did flow from my previous um books on on same-sex sexuality and so so really that to answer that question i I would have to kind of go all the way back to probably you know eight nine years ago when i started to ask questions about what does the bible say about same-sex sexuality and and in that journey i got to know um, a lot of gay lesbian and even in that even in the early stages you know trans people um and so and and this is where the the lgbtq acronym can be helpful because anybody who would be within that umbrella, you know, set of identities, um, typically, um, has, uh, not had the best experience in the church. That's an understatement. (laughs) The most common response I got when I started, you know, early on talking to people was, you know, um, I've never met a Christian who was kind to me, (laughs) not who agreed with me or whatever, or, you know, but like, it was just simply kind, you know, like, (laughs) Like wow, that's not a good commentary on the church. So, um, so that you know, I, again, my previous work was was primarily on same sex sexuality, the LGB 
um, experience. And then so in the last uh, three or four years, um, I've focused almost exclusively on uh, the T, the, tr the transgender experience or transgender experiences because they're, they're again, not monolithic. Um, so there's a lot of similarities in, in how they have experienced Christianity, some of the same um, trials and shaming and exclusion and misunderstanding. There's a lot of similarities there, uh, but there's also a lot of uniquenesses, you know, I mean, um, probably more than the same sex sexuality conversation. Uh, the trans conversation has become so volatile in the public sphere. Hmm. Um, it, it's like the culture war on steroids, you know, um, it seems to excite a lot of anger on both sides of, um, and when I say both sides, both sides of the culture war kind of activists, you know, culture warriors on the right, yeah. uh, activists on the left, which you take both of that, those sides and that represents a very small but very loud percentage of the people who are affected by this conversation. So the one, the one thing I've seen, especially in the last few years, is that you know, take, take the bathroom debate. Okay. Let's just jump into that can of worms, you know, like, you know, uh, should we boycott, boycott target because they allow trans identified people to use the bathroom of their gender identity rather than the biological sex. Okay. Big public issue, you know, and this isn't just target. It's many other places. And, um, you know, that, that can be the, uh, focal point of a lot of heat. Um, but you would be very mistaken if you think that every trans person, every person who experiences gender dysphoria is just out to storm with the bathroom of their choice. You know, um, literally almost every single trans person that I, I've met just wants to pee. <laughs> they, they just want to be able to go to the bathroom in public. Whereas some of my friends who are faithful followers of Jesus say, you know, I, I just, I would love, I long for the world where I can have a cup of coffee at church. Because mm -hmm. if I drink coffee, I might have to go to the bathroom. And if I have to go to the bathroom in public, um, anxiety just overwhelms me where sometimes I have to leave the worship service, you know, even though I want to worship my Lord and Savior. Because, you know, as one of my friends says, you know, look, I'm female. So I know I, I believe I should go to the female bathroom. But, you know, I, I my hair is short. I, I, I kind of have a tomboy appearance. So if I go, I know I'm not supposed to go to the boys bathroom, but... Half the time when I go to the girl's bathroom, I got some lady screaming at me, you know, get out of here, you boy, you know, and so where do I go to the bathroom? I just want to pee. I just want to have a cup of coffee at church. And that, that kind of just practical day-to-day -day experience that uh, trans or gender dysphoric people go through, you know, is, is, can be torture. I mean, it's so hard to listen to that. And then to go and listen to some political pundit on this yeah. side and some, you know, activists on that side in this culture war, like you guys are just destroying so many people by fighting this faceless battle for certain policies. So um, not to diminish, those are important questions about them debate. And I get into that in the book. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, we need to keep our focus where Jesus kept a focus on the lives and needs of actual real people on the ground. So let's take that example and build on it a little bit. I think for, you know, for my listeners, uh, I don't know where everyone's coming from, but, but let's, just, let's just think about those that don't have much experience with uh, mm -hmm. people that, that struggle with gender dysphoria or trans identity. And I know for me hearing, so 
I don't remember what year it was, but I was talking to, uh, so, I mean, sometime in this probably eight-year window, like you mentioned as well yeah. for me, uh, I was talking to a Christian parent, uh, and their child had transitioned. And they mm. were uh, they were telling me that, um, and I, I don't even, I don't remember how old the child was. I didn't know the child. I was just having a conversation with the parent. Um, but their child was uh, exhibiting really bad body odor. And the parent was like, what's up with your body odor? You know, why aren't? Why aren't you showering? You need to shower, right? And the child uh, uh, didn't want to shower because when they looked at their own uh, genitalia, uh, it, I don't have words for it, but they, you know, disgusted them. It was like they were looking at someone Mm -hmm. else's body. It was, it wasn't, it Mm, was, it wasn't, and, and, and they would rather uh, experience body odor than to mm. uh, experience the um, having to look at their own genitalia and 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 it, and it would be like for me as a man, um, tr- what I tr- I've tried to kind of like him in the shower, picturing what if I had you know breasts and a vagina right now? Yeah. That would totally freak yeah. me out. I'd be going crazy. <laughs> I'd be like, what, what, what in the world? You know that. And for me, I was able to go, whoa. If that's what they experience and feel, whoa, like mm-hmm. I, I need to really kind of readjust my approach, you know, mm-hmm. to, to how I talk about this and do this. So, so I, that was something for me just as, as an example that, that really helped me that this isn't just like the, the Bob Newhart example you give in the book, the, <laughs> the stop it, you know, scene, you don't just, yeah. you don't just say, stop it, like, stop it. You, this is something way deeper than that. And I'm wondering if you can give, I don't know, general or specific, just um, maybe another example or two of, of yeah. that type of uh, symptom, if you will, that um, trans mm-hmm. folks really mm-hmm. do experience on a regular basis that they aren't, they aren't choosing to experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's, I, I've heard very similar stories to that another one is a friend of a friend who very similar that that, that they were so just even physiologically re, uh, repulsed by their body um that every time they looked in the mirror they would be they would like throw up or be tempted to throw up because yeah. they were they felt like they were looking at another person you know um and so yeah gen- so gender dysphoria let's just start there maybe i mean that's the psychological term given to people who um, who uh, experience some level of incongruence uh, and distri- distress as a result of um, just not, for lack of better terms, not resonating, not fitting in with your biological sex, not just your body. That would be body dysmorphia, but it, um, but specifically your biological sex or some kind of inexplicable incongruence you feel with your biological sex. Now, Lots of diversity within that. Lots of debates about, you know, what causes it, how it can it go away. Does, you know, um, what's the relationship between body and brain and all of that. Um, gender dysphoria can, you know, it's a spectrum of, of experiences. Uh, for some, it's fairly mild. Uh, for others, it's maybe moderate. For some, it comes in waves. Some things trigger it. For a, a decent percentage of children who experience this, it, it actually goes away after adolescence, you know, um, According to all the studies, so 61 to 88% of children um, who experience dysphoria, it ends up going away after adolescence. So it's it's really, 
um, it's, it's one of the, the most difficult uh, psychological things to understand. But when you sit down and talk to people who have moderate to severe or even mild gender dysphoria, I mean, it's, it's, you can't listen to their experience and not be moved to tears. I mean, yeah. some people, even with moderate gender dysphoria, you know, just going outside um, in public can be an absolutely distressing, crippling um, situation. You know, it's kind of like talking to people that s s wrestle with, you know, clinical depression. That, that, that might be a little more, um, you know, something that people understand more, you know, a lot, a lot of people experience this or have loved ones that do. And we've, for those that don't experience clinical depression, you should really sit down and talk to somebody like, Oh my gosh, like, mm -hmm. I, I have no idea what that's like. And when you do that with somebody with gender dysphoria, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, the way yeah. they describe it is just like, I can't imagine going through every minute, every hour, every, every day, just battling this. And, and, the, the many of us who don't experience it just take it for granted that we just i you know i got dressed this morning i i'm gonna go outside i'm gonna meet somebody for lunch whatever and like i don't even think about that i don't even think about it, like, going into the shower like you did you know and that that exercise you did I, i'm proud of you for doing that and talking publicly about that mm -hmm. because you know people say Ooh, that's kind of awkward but it's like well yeah it, well, <laughs> must be nice that we can kind of do that as an exercise. Right. And then it yeah. just goes away. Whereas yeah. people that is their actual lived experience. So yeah, gender dysphoria, it's, it's no joke. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that not everybody who identifies as trans would even, um, experience gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Not everybody who experiences gender dysphoria identifies as trans. There's these are overlapping kind of umbrella uh categories but that 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 almost opens up a whole nother no, that's helpful uh, maybe yeah discussion yeah that's helpful well and and so embodied your book it really gets into all all of these differences and does a really good job of of talking about you know if you've met one trans person you've met one trans mm -hmm. person kind of idea right. and so uh yeah as we go uh, for, for me, kind of on the the, the early end of of uh, and and I and frankly won't do. Thank you for writing the book because you saved all of us uh, having to do. I mean, you researched the everything, the medical side, the psychological side, the theological side, the historical side. You know, it was interesting to so much stuff that's interesting. And we're not going to cover all of it in in this interview. But, I, you know, hopefully people get enough of a taste that they, they go and get the book and read it. But I mean, I was fascinated to read about the Roman emperor, uh, you know, uh, from Bible times, right? And and uh, that who um, basically lived as a woman, and you know, just yeah. all different examples you gave of biblical biblical examples of people, uh, men living as women or women as men. Just there was so much depth uh, to it that was really, really, really good. And uh, we'll see where the interview takes us and what parts of it we hit. But uh, let's. <laughs> sure. I wanted to hit on empathy to start because I think. That's so big and so huge, yep. and and you talk a lot about love, which which you know your your previous book, People to Be Loved, I think is is really what sets your writing apart. Uh, in your your preface to to this book, to Embodied, um, you you talk about your friend. I don't remember if he uh, was trans or gay, but he said he was gay. Okay, was yeah, gay. and he said, you know, you need to write this book because you love people like you talk about, you know, th these are people to be loved. And so I want to start there and it is so key. And, and yeah. so I want to lay that basis. And then when we have that basis, not that we've just done it here in, in five minutes, but um, once mm -hmm. a person is there, I think that's step number one. If a pastor's listening yes. and they're saying, 
how do I approach this? How do I do this? That's number one. And it takes longer than five minutes. It takes having, I think, actual relationships and, and having learning, you know, le- learning how to, to be empathetic in this way. So, but where, yeah. where, do, where do we go? Where do we go from here? Uh, that's, I guess that's sort of a question that comes next is you can't, um, just, and maybe some listeners are thinking that, okay, great. You love people. You have empathy. That's great. But you can't, you can't just stay there, right? You, if, if you just stay there, what about, what about all these other things? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's even a good question, but what's the next step? What's the next step yeah. from, from there? Let's say for a pastor who's, who's gonna, um, who's gonna address this and, you know, and, and wants this to be a part of, 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 I think it's a church culture thing. I think it's more than a one-off mm-hmm. sermon. I think this is a, are we a church where trans people would come to our church? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a long mm-hmm. goal to have. But what would a next step be uh, for, a, for a pastor yeah. who wanted that to be a goal? Well, I love you know, your example is so pertinent that, you know, oh, yeah, I know we, we need to love people. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But. And it's like, well, I'd, let's linger there for a <laughs> yes, little bit. Right. You know, like, we got that down. Not, okay. I, I, All right, Preston. Enough of that. I hear that a lot. It's Give like, me the truth. What whatever, side are you on? Whatever this is, a, whatever this is a quick like, but, you know, I'm yeah. like, I just want to hit pause for a second. Good, I mean, our good. ultimate yeah. command to love God and love neighbor. And what does that look like? Is that just um, tolerating your neighbor or is it actively going out of your way to embody the unconditional grace of Christ toward your neighbor, you know, and, and have we loved our trans neighbors well? Uh, and before you answer that, how do you know? Well, yeah, 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 no, we're, how do you know? Have you asked several trans people um, how they're being loved by Christians? <laughs> I talk to trans people what yeah. they think about, you know, uh, their uh, local Christian community and whether yeah, they feel loved by yeah. Christians. So, um, yeah, we, uh, yeah, it's so. Uh, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but um, yeah. So I, That's I, I see here, here, here's the difference. Most Christians I know, this may not be everybody's church experience, but most Christians I know are good people. I really, you know, I, I know the church has a bad rap and I know there's horror stories of stuff that the church has done, but in my, in my anecdotal experience, most Christians are well-meaning um, that they, they want to love people. They, they don't want to actively, you know, bully people or shame people. They might tell a joke in private. They might laugh at a joke, whatever. But at the end of the day, they're they're, you know, they're like, no, I I don't think I think it's right to respect anybody and 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 give them honor, and it, you know, but but, <laughs> um, but it 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 takes more than just passively avoiding being a bully, passively avoiding shaming somebody. That that's a good start, but that's passive love and Christian love is never passive. It's always Mm -hmm. active. And so we need to not just settle at not being a bully. We need to um, be actively um, engaging and loving and honoring and valuing and listening to, uh, in this case, trans, I mean, all people, but in this case, trans identified people. So um, yeah, it's it's good. It's taking the next step to uh, both as an individual, but, and also if you're a leader, you know, as a, um, as a ministry or church culture, creating a culture where a trans person would show up and say, wow, yeah, this Christian environment is, is not what I expected. This is different than what I grew up in, you know, with in church. And, um, this, this is, this causes me to ask questions about who this Jesus person actually is, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, I, your story of Kat and Lori, who you know, and they've and I heard them mm-hmm. share from the stage as well at, at one of your leadership uh, seminars. Uh, for, I can't ever remember what those things are called. The Center for Faith Leadership Forum. Is that, <laughs> they're I, called. <laughs> what are they called? They're called. Yeah, we. I. You need, I, a, uh, you need Austin, like a postmodern millennial name to those. Like I know. We. Radiates. I look back and I'm like, Fusion. I, I think it was a terrible. I think it was a terrible name. They're called Leaders Forums. Okay. And the full title I got the is forum right. Leaders Forums on Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. All right. We yeah. totally should have went with like fusion, radiate, uh, you know, I'm sure, there's just pull out the thesaurus. You could have had it, you know, you could yeah. have had it. All right. So uh, you talk about Kat and Lori in, in the book, which is awesome. Yeah. A shameless plug to my podcast. I'm interviewing Lori uh, next week. So excited, excited for that. Um, cool. And I, I love, you know, Kat's story of walking into church and Lori sees her and just says yo you want to come sit with me and my family and yeah. that's that's as simple as it was really you know and uh, so yeah. um so i love that and 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 that's that is is really needed i also want to throw this in um i'll say this is coming from me not from you you do a good job of being very respectful in the book i struggle with my respectfulness sometimes uh so uh you you do a good job in your last chapter props to you about giving both sides of the uh pronouns you know conversation and you know you uh, you you talk about where you land on it and i'll I'll let you share that here if you want but Mm -hmm. you know what i'll say is this if if uh and i found this out just for real and you mentioned it. If you want to know what trans people think of the church, ask trans people. And we mm-hmm. have, there are Christians, uh, some famous, uh, the Nashville statement, 2017, mm-hmm. being one that says, you know, don't, it, it, let's put it this way, call trans people by their, their birth sex, their birth, their right. biological birth sex, because otherwise you're lying to them or, or lying and that's a sin mm-hmm. or otherwise you're, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of reinforcing an ideology or whatever. Here's what I have to say to that. If you want trans people to l- give you half a second of their time yeah. to listen to you talk about Jesus, to listen to you talk about the gospel, to sit down with you for a meal, a coffee, a conversation, mm-hmm. you must call them the pronoun that they prefer to be called. And, and there's some deep uh, reasons why. And, and it doesn't mean you have to agree with their reasons. But that, to me, in this, and again, being my not respectful self, I'm just saying it how I think it is, it is um, <laughs> utterly unloving. To, to, it's unloving to yeah. to not call a trans person by the the pronoun that they prefer. It's and I'll say this: it's weird at first. It's uncomfortable at first. We had someone transition in our church. They started coming uh, to our church, and they were towards the the tail end of their journey, right before they were going to actually transition. And so, I knew them as a as a female, and they transitioned to a male, and. You better you you bet bet your bottom dollar. I called them by the male <laughs> pronoun because you know what? Yeah. I wanted them to keep coming to my church. I wanted them yeah. to be my friend. I wanted them to read my blog and listen to my podcast, which they still do to this day. Uh, even though they yeah. eventually left my, my church and 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 to to go to go to a, a church. Uh, what what would you call it? That would be you know 
um, affirming, I guess you would say. So anyway, pronouns, that's my take on it. Um, pronouns, I, pronouns, I, yeah. <laughs> feel free to correct me, balance it out. Just, I know that's not what, that's not, you know, you, that's me, but I, I want to hit on how do we be loving and yeah. really loving to trans folks and, and, I want them to know Jesus. I want them to be able to get on the path of discipleship. And so first we have right. to pave the path to the path, I feel like. If we don't pave the yeah, path to the good. path, they're never going to get on the path. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, there's so much here. And um, <clears throat> yeah, let me just start working my way backwards. Sorry. I'm, I'm right. I just you. had to get that off no, my chest. <laughs> I just I just had to get it out. Bam. I'm good now. I'm clean. So, <laughs> Are you an are you an eight on the Instagram? Oh, or are you? <laughs> I'm an eight, brother. Oh yeah, eight, eight, eight is great. So this would be a disaster if we put you as an eight in the room with another eight who saw things differently than <laughs> you. It would be fun. It would be fun. Yeah. So yeah. So as a, I think I'm a five uh, or maybe a one or I. Okay. People. Yeah. Experts in the Instagram say I can't put you. I I don't know where you land, but I'm I'm not an eight. Um, but, but one, if I am a one, ones have eight kind of tendencies sometimes. So, um, yeah, so I, I am on the same page, uh, as you, um, I, the, the language I use in the book that I think has been helpful when I put it this way for people is language is shared social space. Okay. It's shared social space. When you're conversing with somebody, you're each using language and that language, you can't have a relationship with your neighbor. You can't love your neighbors yourself. If you don't talk to them, if you don't converse through language, well, language is shared social, social space. You're using words in a way that convey your worldview and somebody else is going to use words that convey their worldview. So pronouns can be tricky. Um, in 2021, it is simply a fact. You can disagree with it. Um, I, I, I would even question what I'm about to say, but it's just a social fact that some people use pronouns to refer not to their biological sex, but to their gender identity. Gender identity is their internal sense of who they are. I've got loads of questions about gender identity. I would probably not even agree with a lot of things that people um, believe about gender identity. But the fact is we live in a world where some people say I'm using pronouns. My pronouns have to do with my gender identity, not my biological sex. And you could say, no, I don't believe in that. And that's fine. But it's still shared social space. If you only want to enter into a relationship with somebody who has the same interpretation of Genesis 127 and the biblical theology and all, you know, like, then you're going to live in your little Christian echo chamber. and You're not going to be able to love your yeah. neighbors yourself. So I, it, it, and having said all this, I, you know, it took me 10 pages in the book to really wrestle with both sides and pack it. So I don't want to, I don't want to overly simplify it. Um, but I do think there's a good case to be made with the pronoun debate, um, in meeting people where they are at. Um, if you expect people to be where you're at for you to be in relationship with them, then that's not a good Christian posture. So, um, and yeah, you, you know, I, I do say it kind of cynically in a book, um, and I'll say it here, you know, I said, look, if you want to immediately end any hope of relationship <laughs> with a trans person, yeah. like you just want to say, bam, done, never want to talk to you again. If, if that's, if that's what you want, then yeah, don't use the pronouns they want you to use. Yeah. Um, I would question whether that is a Christ-like relational posture. Now to play devil's advocate against, I guess, both of us, um, 
you know, some people say, well, look, okay, you talk about love, um, uh, but is it really loving to, um, to feed somebody's and this is somebody else. This is another, I, I, this isn't coming from me. This is coming from this other view that I'm addressing um, to feed somebody's delusion. You know, if somebody believed they were a, a tree, I wouldn't call them a tree. Like it's not loving for me to affirm something that just does not cohere with reality. In fact, it would be lying to them and actually be very unhelpful for somebody who has a psychological condition that needs to be addressed. And, and I, you know, I think I is, is, is um, unhelpful as I think some of that rhetoric can be in, in how they frame that. Um, I, you know, there, there's something there that I'm like, yeah, that's, that's something I do need to wrestle with. Um, I personally, not personally, but just, it, it is more factually, <laughs> you know, lang it's not so simple as that language is very flexible, and we do have examples even in the Bible of Paul and Jesus exploiting the flexibility of language. Paul on Mars Hill is a classic example. You know, he observed the Athenians. He saw their religious um, worldviews, you know, and instead of just slamming them with the truth, you know, he says, I see that you're quite religious. Mm -hmm. uh, this God that you worship, which is Zeus, you know, let me tell yeah. you about that God, yeah. you know? Yeah, and yeah. so he's kind of playing on even, he even uses pronouns. Like he did refer to Zeus and, but he's actually referring to Yahweh. And, and I'm not saying this is a direct parallel parallel. I'm just saying that language, it's a little more tricky than simply he means biological sex and she means this. And that's, you know, it's like, it's, it's, there's a little more here that we need to wrestle with. So, no, I don't think it's just a blatant case of Christians lying to somebody if they use uh, a pronoun that doesn't match their biological sex. So um, that's a somewhat of a brief summary of what took yeah. me 10 pages to kind of unpack in the book. But yeah, no, that's good, man. That's helpful. And as you were talking, I let me say this, too. If the person I was just talking about that went to my church, uh, if they are listening, uh, being an eight on a podcast can be dangerous sometimes because I say things and then I go, should I just said that? Uh, so if I said too much there, I, I do apologize uh, to this person and I, I want them to know uh, I really love them and that I, I certainly um, when I said I wanted them to stay at my church and and and, you know, read my blog, et cetera. It's because I love them. It's because I, I want that friendship to continue. And I think it has. I really think it has, even though I've moved, I've moved away. I'm thankful for the small ways we're able to still stay in touch. And I want this person to know that uh, they, along with uh, really a few, just a few, few others, a uh, handful, um, but they being one of the key people have really helped me learn how to love trans people and have really changed the way I do ministry uh, and the way I talk wow, about good. this stuff. So thank you to them. If, if they are listening, um, thank you for your grace because they they were very gracious to me the whole time. And even when they mm -hmm. left, they were extremely gracious to me and, uh, and continued wow. to be afterwards. So I just want to say that, um, which is great, which is cool. So um, let me, let me ask just a couple other things uh, kind of as we kind of make the, the home stretch here. Uh, some of this is just practical stuff for for me even, and um, this isn't to, not to quiz you on on you know that we all have to agree on this stuff, but <laughs> it could I think for a reader it might be confusing. So we're talking about using pronouns uh, yeah. really as a way of loving and being hospitable, but I did notice so in the book you'll use they from the get go, 
and you use trans from uh, get go, but you you also use non trans instead of cisgender from the get go. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned um, <laughs> you noticed that. <laughs> oh, well, I did only because like I usually use cisgender uh, if I'm talking about yeah. this this topic. Um, so there's that where I'm like, okay, so and you said cisgender, um, you chose not to use it because it has some ideological assumptions to it. So let's hang on to that. And then also I've noticed um, some friends, Christian friends on Facebook, I'm or mostly on Twitter, I guess, because you have a little bio on Twitter, and they'll write uh, mm-hmm. he he him for you know like if I was my, my own my own bio, if you ever so for readers or sorry listeners, if you ever see someone that says he him. Uh, she, her, what they're saying is, or they, them, they're saying the pronoun they want to be called. And so a, a cisgender straight person like myself might write he, him as a way of, um, I think, maybe normalizing or taking the stigma away you know, from someone that, right. that kind of saying, I'm hospitable, I, you can come talk to me. So so what I'm wondering is if you can just give me your, your thoughts, mm. and this is to kind of help me, um, where I use, uh, I use people's uh, uh, pronouns that they prefer – I, I'm comfortable with the word cisgender. Uh, I okay. don't. I don't use uh, he/him for myself. Uh, but then I, when I pause and go, am I being consistent with all three of those things? Mm. Right. You know. So, I'm, any thoughts on that? That's good. That's really good. Yeah. My. In my. Yeah. I do have thoughts. Got many thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> you wrote a book on this, but, but, of course. You <laughs> go out and read yeah, the this book. Is an, <laughs> this is an area where. Um, you know, there's some things I believe and do that I feel really strongly about. Yeah, there's other things yeah. that I'm like, you know, this is where I'm at now. And, and maybe I'm missing something and I'm, I'm willing to kind of change my mind. So I, I don't prefer the term cisgender. And that that's based on it. I don't mind. I don't like sometimes I'll use it if the context, if it's just easier, it's just a contextual thing. I'm not like adamantly opposed to it. Um, but as a general principle, I don't like to use terms of myself or I, as a general principle, human principle, I don't like to um, use identity terms for somebody else that they didn't choose for themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so out of consistency, like I, I don't want to do the same thing almost back to me. So I never, I didn't come up with the term cisgender. I don't use that term. It doesn't mean anything to me. So, so for somebody else to call me cisgender, that would be like me using the pronouns they don't want to be, you know, like I, <laughs> I think we should all mutually respect other people's choice of self referral in a sense. Um, cisgender um, in most contexts, if you're going to do a random search on cisgender and how people are using it, I would say more than 50% of the time it's using a very derogatory term. Um, kind of like how, you know, white straight male is used today yeah, that's, right. that's usually used in a very kind of negative term yeah uh, a negative way and so why would i kind of wear that and also the very term gender as i talk about in the book is loaded with ideological assumptions so even the word the term cisgender assumes a lot of things about the very concept of gender that i actually don't i probably wouldn't agree with mm-hmm. and, and not everybody uses cisgender is foisting upon me and all that stuff but so i don't um i I do i think non-trans is i think there's there's males and females and there's some that have an intersex condition and there's some males and females um experience gender dysphoria um would be kind of my basic working categories and then there's identities that that can be piled on, on top of that so 
yeah, I, I'm a male who doesn't experience gender dysphoria and doesn't identify as as trans is, is the most neutral way I would I would put it. That's why I use trans and non-trans and in the book. But again, I I am not. I I've got good friends that refer to me as cisgender. I don't even blink an eye. It's not it's not that big of a deal. Um, the other one, oh, the he him, yeah, putting like me as somebody who doesn't experience gender dysphoria um, to publicize my pronouns um, as an attempt to say normalize. Um, uh, the, the the normalize the fact that some people use pronouns that don't match their biological sex. I I, I haven't been a fan of that, and I but I I have got friends that are kind of giving me the reasons why it is good for us to do that. Like you 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 hit the nail on the head. You know it does it it is kind of um, inviting for people who might be wrestling with dysphoria and or be trans where they're like, oh, I can talk to them. They're aware enough that they have told me their pronouns. So now I, I don't feel, I feel safe to tell them my pronouns, you know? Um, I, I can see some of that. Maybe I'm just a little jaded by some of the, and this is, this may not be a good reason, but I'm just a little, I'm turned off by um, whether it's right wing or left wing virtue signaling. You know, yeah. I grew up in a fundamentalist context where it's kind of like, you know, you had people that would publicize their spirituality and look how good I am, you know, and look how conservative I am. I read my Bible two hours a day. You only do one hour a day. So that's a very typical thing and kind of fundamentalism. But I see the same exact thing on the far left, you know, the progressives, you know, and some of the, you know, there's that class, a couple of weeks ago, who was it? Some senator closed in prayer and was so like woke, you know, that he said, and all men and all women, you know, like well, all men doesn't mean like all male, you know, it's like, it just kind of looks a little silly. And I, yeah, I even see, you know, politicians, you know, announcing their pronouns before. And I'm like, do you even understand what you're doing? You're just, you're just dog whistling to your yeah. crowd. And so, and again, this isn't, that's not the best read, but sometimes I'm like, I'm just so allergic to, again, whether it's from the left or the right kind of virtue signaling that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not excited about doing that. And also, like, I don't think it's the same thing. And here's where my thoughts are a little, like, not worked out. So just I'll just think out loud. Um, but, like, it, it is different in kind that somebody who doesn't experience gender dysphoria, doesn't identify as trans, would um, use certain pronouns that refer to their biological sex. Like that scenario is different in kind than somebody who does experience gender dysphoria and for various reasons sure. um, yeah. uses other pronouns. So I, I don't, to, to I, in one sense, I do like normalizing, even that word can be tricky, but normalizing or destigmatizing people who have a minority experience. Okay. That I'm a fan of that, but but I don't know how to finish that sentence. But I, um, but I, I do think there could be a, um, something unhelpful in an attempt to normalize something. It could almost distract away from the very minority experience that we should be concerned about. So the, I don't know. Those are my yeah, that's good. Unironed out thoughts. Yeah, 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 man. No, that's helpful. And and I my heart in asking that. And you brought up. A, a really good point that is sort of throughout the book. Uh, my heart was just curiosity because I'm trying to kind of figure it out, you know, for right. myself. Yeah, it, no, yeah. It, it tied into the last question too.
but I think there's a, there's a huge, well, goodness. And we talked about this last year. I, I, we talked about politics, I think right before the election and how to mm-hmm. talk about, we talked about how to talk about polarizing issues. And so, yeah, yeah. Y- you've mentioned it already a few times where, uh, man, both there's so much retweeting and there's so much yeah. of this that of you know cancel culture and there's the where, yeah, where yeah. the the trans conversation is this thing and, and I I almost have pity on Christians who feel like they have to kind of rally the troops and they have to sort of make sure they're mm. they're in God's army and we're gonna it's just I I, I wish we could <laughs> get away from that and um and not side okay i, I want to be careful here we need to be political so we can stand up for the oppressed and uh when yeah. uh when very racist things are happening in our country we need to say something about it yeah. and not just go oh yeah i'm not political uh you need to speak out against trump yeah. when he's doing very racist things yeah. and not say i'm not political and that's yeah. what many uh white evangelicals i think end up doing yeah. but on the other side uh with this with this subject i think we, we have to go this we ah, I don't know how to say it. We just can't. Well, here the, the the way I put it is, I mean, the gospel is profoundly political. It's just not partisan. That's partisan. I, I, I don't. That's a word. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I'm very yeah. excited about not being partisan, but I want to be profoundly political. The, the claim Jesus is Lord is a political statement. Yeah, you know? and we yeah, so, and we um, shouldn't. Don't look yeah. for safety in your partisan politics i think that's what i see people doing it's like this is my safe my shelter from the storm is my partisan politics it's like no actually the psalms say that god is your shelter in the storm and (laughs) not not the your partisan you know your partisan politics uh so i have yeah a couple random thoughts there but i just i i love that at the very beginning of embodied you you try to disarm people and i think that's really really Mm -hmm. important is to for people to be disarmed through through this whole thing. And so even in a podcast like this, we're just talking. This is very yeah. new for us. This is new for us as Christians. We're trying to figure this out. Uh, and so listeners from both sides of the spectrum have grace, mm-hmm. have grace on on me, have grace on Preston. Uh, this isn't about nailing somebody, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. So uh, one of the last things I wanted to ask you was just, uh, and, and 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 I say this too, apologizing. Well, not not apologizing. This this interview is meant to give people a taste of the book. I want people to read the book. So there's significant yep. things we haven't <laughs> talked about here. You you've mentioned uh, gender stereotypes and the stereotypes of culture and how huge of a role that plays. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned intersex and you talk extensively about both of those things uh, in the book and and the eunuch and 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 Jesus and the eunuch. So I just invite mm-hmm. listeners to read the book uh, because I'm not going to interview Preston for three hours on this. Uh, I want you to read the book. Okay. So there's some really, really good stuff here um, that we've not been able to get to. So uh, if, but, but before we end though, what would you say, maybe just in this podcast, somebody uh, that, that may or may not read the book, what do you want? What's your message to the conservative side, what do you want them to hear? Uh, conservative, mm-hmm. you know, biblically, politically, whatever, you know, I don't know. Maybe you can frame it better than me. And then what's your message yeah. to the progressive side? Uh, maybe the progressive Christian side, the progressive side. What do you want your message to both of those different kind of warring factions to be? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, 
the conservative side is a little easier um, because even if you go left of the left of center, even there, there's all kinds of battles and internal disagreements and stuff. So they're, they're unlike the same sex sexuality conversation, which is pretty divided between left and right, conservative, liberal. If you're liberal, you're for gay marriage. If you're conservative, you typically might be opposed. In, in this day and age, it, it's kind of a little more mixed, but. Um, but those conservative liberal categories don't exist in the um, trans conversation. Some of the most volatile, outspoken opponents of certain forms of trans ideology are radical, atheist, anti-Christian feminists. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's the big bat. I mean, you can even look at trending on Twitter right now is um, uh, the phrase TERF, T-E. RF, trans exclusionary radical feminists, which is a slur mm. that some people give to feminists. And the feminists are battling against what they see as a resurrection of male patriarchy in the trans activist conversation. Males, once again, getting access to female spaces and so on and so forth. Mm. Anyway, that's, that's a whole wow. other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so even, but, but I think it's important to understand that, um, that yeah, the right left divide is. Um, that doesn't exist so neatly in this in this conversation so but to to the traditional kind of conservative christian yeah i mean we we've kind of hit on it but i i would say um first of all just practically don't look at this conversation through the lens of your favorite media outlet or political pundit i listen to some of those i listen to people on both sides and neither one does a good job framing this conversation if the person or news outlet you're listen, listening to doesn't ignite a greater passion to love your marginalized neighbor as yourself, then it might not be um, a helpful part of your Christian discipleship. So yes, we need to listen to and love and learn from trans identified people. We need to understand that they are created in God's image and that they aren't just needy. Uh, but needed. I, I do think that if Jesus was a pastor today, there would probably probably be a lot of trans-identified people who would be attracted to him because he attracted all kinds of people to himself. If you read the Gospels plainly, um, people that fell outside of the, <laughs> you know, um, who who are on the naughty list of religious leaders, if you will. So, um, yeah. So I, I just in, in, until we are. Um, embodying the grace of God in radical ways towards trans people, then, then I think we, we conservatives, I'll put myself in that camp. Um, I think we need to do better at that. We, we just haven't, we haven't, that's just the fact. We have not had a good posture, generally speaking, towards trans people. And we, we, that absolutely needs to change. Uh, to, and so if I say to the progressive or liberal, I mean, again, that's, um, part of what I'm going to say, a lot of liberals are going to be 100% agreement. So maybe to some of the more, I'll, I'll say the radical left, um, the, you know, on the, the very progressive side of things, which is interesting because in the trans conversation, you have liberals and the radical left that are in complete disagreement with each other. Um, in fact, there's some interesting conversations happening between some very, very liberal, liberal people who are teaming up with very conservative people. And they mm. look at each other saying, who would have thought we would be on the same side on this? Mm. So um, so it, it's, it's a little more messy again. But um, yeah, I would say um, uh, if on the radical left, I mean, I'm not even asking for um, you to be biblical. Um, 
I, I can't force my beliefs on people, but just be um, humanizing and, and even just scientific, you know, that this is, this is some of the big complaints among people on the left, on, on the liberal side against the progress of the far progressives. And they say, Hey, look, we've been mocking fundamentalist Christians all these years for being anti-science, but then now you guys are sounding like religious fundamentalists when you are prioritizing an, an ideology over some basic scientific facts about, um, uh, you know, biology and human nature and so on. But I, so I, I would say the, probably the biggest mistake I see on the progressive, the far progressive left, besides some, sometimes some anti-scientific um, uh, assumptions is um, in your attempt to help people, because that's the big thing that drives progressives, right? Sure. right? Like yeah. if, if something is harming somebody, then, then it's immoral. But sometimes some very progressive values are actually bringing more harm than you realize. And the, the big question, the big, and I'm kind of, people who know the discussion probably know what I'm getting at, but the, the whole push to make it easier for teenagers to transition, this has become a huge debate within liberal circles. Um, it's, I don't think it's very loving to, you know, if a 15 year old kid says, Hey, I'm trans to, to kind of fast track them towards medical transitioning out of an ideology that says, Oh, if you say you're trans and then you're born in the wrong body or whatever. And then, so we need to, you know, we need to change that. Otherwise you might end up committing suicide and these are your two options, transition or die. And these simplistic approaches to a very complex situation are actually not helping people. Um, it is actually could produce more harm than good. Um, and, and this, again, this is something I'm just echoing yeah. the voice of many liberal non-Christian medical professionals who say we have way oversimplified this from a medical perspective. We need to hit the brakes on some of these therapies that, you know, well, not even th like approaches to trans teenagers. Um, and yeah, so I, I would just encourage <laughs> Um, those on the f maybe far left to it, it, uh, not, not even believe, you know, <laughs> I, I don't expect you to like read my book and say, Oh, I believe everything you said, but like at least just make sure you're not sitting in an echo chamber where there's one kind of ideological perspective being promoted because that can, and has been shown to really do a lot of damage in people's lives. So, yeah, um, good. Yeah. Good stuff. My Here's my last word, and then uh, if you have one to give, go for it. I just think our goal as Christians, as I think about this as we talk, often we want to fix all this. We want to, if, if we just tweet a little bit louder, it's going to get fixed. <laughs> um, I, I don't... I, I, we're not going to quote unquote fix all this, whatever that even means. I, I, I think yeah. as I hear some of the anecdotal stories, though, about, you know, the... Uh, the, the the young man in your book who shared with his Bible study sounded like a college group, if I remember right, that he was experiencing trans, uh, ex an experience of, of being trans of some kind. And and everyone just it was crickets. Everyone just was like, oh, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, OK, kind yeah. of. And just just there was no there was nothing for him. And then you have all the many the many narratives of abuse right in the church where like Leslie yeah. that be, being shown the back door and. Don't ever come back. And I think if uh, 30 years from now, those stories don't exist anymore, you know, they're not fresh anymore. The stories of of crickets, of just being completely yeah. unable to love someone and talk and be in friendship and relationship. 
and the stories of of abuse, particularly, if we can get all those to end, uh, we've done something really good. And I think we should continue having other goals along the way and, and helping people on the path of discipleship on individual levels. But uh, to me, there's great there's great value. And I say all that to say churches need to be talking about this. Back to my first line, yeah. get your heads out of the sand and talk about this stuff because people are hurting and they're looking to their church and they're looking at what's coming up on next Sunday's sermon. And, oh, it's another sermon that does not acknowledge that I exist and another sermon that doesn't acknowledge that I exist. And it's only a matter of time before they they leave the church mm-hmm. or, you know, altogether because you've never You've never acknowledged what they're going through. And so uh, I, I recommend Embodied as a great place to start to start learning how to talk about this stuff. And then let's let God take it from there. Let's let God, uh, let's do what we can do. And then let's, let's let God do what he's going to do. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Appreciate that, man. Thanks for, uh, first of all, thank you for reading the book. It's pretty rare that I do an interview where somebody's actually read the book. So that that's, I, and, and I, I, I interview a lot of people and I'm like, dude, yeah. I don't have time to read your book, but I'd love to talk with you. So I, I really, it's made this um, conversation much more rich, I think, but uh, yeah, to come full circle, you know, um, silence isn't an option. It's, this isn't just a tiny percentage of the population that we're talking about. We're talking about many Christians who are being discipled by culture. Maybe it's a Christian culture. Maybe it's right-wing politics. Maybe it's left-wing politics. They are being discipled to have yeah. certain views on this conversation. Um, so my, if you're a Christian leader with some sphere of influence or anybody with a sphere of influence, like where is your voice in their discipleship? process you know um this is a significant enough conversation to warrant uh christian leaders especially to say i i need to provide some form of discipleship for my the people i'm leading in this conversation and that's i mean yeah i i I have a really hard time plugging my own book i don't like that but to be honest that is exactly why i wrote this book because i felt like when people are like, okay, let's have the conversation. How do I educate myself? That's why I took many, many thousands of hours to <laughs> research yes, and did. think through and talk to people yes, and, and did. ultimately produce this book. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you for doing it. Uh, I, I'll say it. I don't, I mean, and you know, we all have our different circles and <laughs> of the world and I'm sure you could go into some library and find some book, but I mean, for, for the Christian pastor that's buying books, I don't know what resource would I give them? To, uh, you know, it's, it's this. It's and, and so thank you for for yeah. for putting it out there. And you've yeah. done the research. The footnotes are extensive, and uh, I was way way and super glad I don't have to do the research now. So uh, thank you for <laughs> for doing that. But yeah, man, no, I appreciate you coming on, and and uh, best of luck with the book. The book comes out February first. You can order it now, pre-order on Amazon, and uh, it'll be available in your hands uh, February first. So, thanks, Preston. Maybe uh, next no. baseball season the Dodgers will win a real World Series, <laughs> and and then we can talk about that. Uh, but hey, I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad yeah. that you had something kind of like an imaginary friend to help you through COVID. I'm I'm thankful for that for you, brother. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not too. Uh, I'm not too worried about uh, not winning this next World Series. <laughs> with our team, but, uh. I like that. I like that. Well, your payroll, your payroll is three times the size of my team. So you know, you should. You should win the World <laughs> yeah, Series. So. That's true. That's true. Very good. All right, thanks, man, for having me on. All right, and we're back. As I mentioned prior to the interview, 
if you are 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 struggling with gender dysphoria, if you're you're uh, struggling with trans identity, uh, shoot me an email. Uh, I'm no expert. Uh, I I I I'd love to love you. I'd love to listen to you. Uh, I'd love to to just be there in in whatever small way I can. Podcast at beyondthebattle.net. And if you, as a listener, uh, if if you're you know a pastor, and if you're a Christian, and you know you're you're non-trans, you're cisgender. If you're going, I I don't ever think about this stuff. Why are you talking about this stuff? I'd really encourage you to pick up Preston's book and read it. I'd really encourage you to be challenged. He he does a really good job of 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 staying balanced and giving us some really helpful things to think about, both if you're on the left or if you're on the right. If you're on the side, and I don't even mean politically, but, I, but you know, if you're on the side that's saying, stop it, you know, trans- <laughs> why would you be transgender? That's what, just stop. I, I'm not that way. If, you, if you're a woman with short hair, just grow your hair out. You know, it's not hard. Stop wearing man, men, stop wearing male clothes. Go, go shop for some women's clothes. This isn't, this isn't hard. If that's your mindset, just know that it it is hard. It's not. I don't want to be so blunt to just say you're wrong, but but know that. I mean, think about it. If it were that easy, people they would do that, right? They they're not asking for this this trauma. They're not asking for this this dysphoria. They're not asking for the societal you know abuse that comes uh, with this or that awkwardness of not fitting in in the men's restroom and not fitting in in the women's restroom. And so if you're on that side of it, uh, allow yourself to be stretched, you know, read embodied, be challenged by it. You disagree. That's fine. You can reach out to Preston on social media or through his podcast. Um, You can disagree with him. He's used to that. Um, My, my hope is that you just take that step to allow yourself to be stretched to say, you know, there's things that I don't know and I can learn. I can learn from, uh, somebody that has a has a they experience things very differently, you know, than I do. And if you're on the side as a, a Christian, uh, whether you know you you're trans and and you're you're as a Christian and, and you're going, yeah, I mean, I've transitioned or I'm going to transition or whatever. And there's only because of and you have all your kind of reasons for that. And and again, there's difference. There's a spectrum. If you depending on what you believe about the Bible and but there there, there certainly is a a, a, a contingent of people that believe, you know, the Bible is God's word and uh, I, I want to follow it. And yet, and yet this uh, I'm a man and I feel like a woman or I'm a woman and I feel like a man and, and I, man, what in the world is going on? It's just, it's really, uh, Preston does a good job in embodied of, of giving uh, credit to kind of both sides and then also showing flaws in both sides as far as, even some of the arguments and some of the science and the statistics used and things like that. So if you're, if you're convinced that, you know, transitioning is the only way uh, and it must be done and, you know, those sorts of things, I'd encourage you to read embodied. I think your, 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 your thoughts will be challenged. I don't even mean challenged. Like I challenge you. I just mean you'll in a good way. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy the intellectual stretching. I think again, you won't agree with all of it, but you'll go, oh man, yeah, 
well, I've, I've heard that statistic this way and and I didn't even know. I mean, he, he when I joke about the research, it's really well researched. I'm no joke. Preston, PhD, he's he's a researcher and the the research is there on the medical side of it. It is it's not uh, it's again, it's not research like we talk about today. Well, science says this, and so I'm right. And then somebody on the exact other side says, science says this, and so I'm right. It's it's not that kind of thing. He's he shows the research behind sort of both sides, and it just does a really good job of of trying to give caution. You know, whatever side you're on, caution. And and uh, man, this is tough stuff. This is not stuff that's going to get solved uh, in in a podcast. Or even, honestly, you know, I don't, and I mentioned the Nashville statement. I didn't read that when it came out. Um, I didn't even know about the pronoun thing. Preston mentioned that in his book about the pronouns. Uh, but I do know when it came out, I heard a lot of a lot of hurt, a, a backlash. People were really hurt who are LGBTQ and or uh, trying to walk with LGBTQ or same-sex attracted people even. Uh, even though, anyway, I don't know. I'm not trying to give, I'm not trying to give my analysis of that statement because I don't. I frankly, I, I should have maybe read it, but I didn't. Um, but my my point is, is the way we talk about this stuff matters. Uh, the way, if we can't just create our own Christian echo chamber, the the point of the church is the gospel, and the the point of the gospel is for the lost. Right? The point of the gospel is that people would be drawn to it, and there's a there's an element of God has to do his work. There's a mystery to this stuff. There's a mystery to LGBTQ conversation where it is not linear. You repent of all your sins and stop sinning forever. (laughs) And then you follow Jesus. And it's more complex than I can even say it. But, But for example, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine and, you know, his sister-in-law is married to a woman. So his sister-in-law married to a woman and they've been married for a very long time. And he said, you know, they're, they're close. They're close to f- becoming Christians. They're close to becoming followers of Jesus. And these are all, by the way, questions Preston uh, does a f- fantastic job with in People to be Loved uh, as well as Embodied. And in those... <laughs> The leadership forums. There we go. They should have been called Radiate, and then then I would. Have, <laughs> I can't think. Fusion method. I don't know. There's all these. Any. It's. I'm making fun of church names right now for conferences. Um, those those work. I don't know if he's still doing those. They were fantastic though, and uh, but he always did a lot of Q and A at those. And so he would get questions uh, like this. But so but anyway, back to back to my uh, my pastor friend, sister-in-law, married for a long time to a woman. And he said, yeah, they're close. They're close to they're close to becoming Christians, accepting Jesus. And then he goes, what do you do then? What do you do then? You know, and and, you know, not uh, not what am I trying to say? I'm not, I can't think of the word. I don't want to say I'm not ashamed. Uh, yeah, I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. Uh, marriage and sex are meant to be between a man and a woman. And so does he. And so does Preston. So does Wesley Hill, uh, who's gay, uh, last, you know, from last episode. Um, but anyway, so, so in that, you know, what do you do then? And 
And my friend just had this great point. He goes, you know, sometimes I think when it comes to this particular sin, and I know calling calling it a sin is offensive to many people, but I mean, you know, the I would I believe the act the act of homosexual sex uh, is a sin, uh, and um, not the well. You can listen to my interview with Wesley. We talked at length about it, but not the attraction. So. Uh, there's so many rabbit trails here and nuances. The attraction, you know, part of a fallen world, but not a sin, not a willful sin, and 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 something that you don't have to feel shame about having because you, you're not controlling it. It's anyway. That's another conversation. But but my friend and his sister-in-law, and he goes, you know, I think with this with this particular, he's and we can use the word sin because he's comparing it to other sort of sin issues in the church. He goes, with all these other sin issues in the church, we just let people get saved, and then we don't say. Okay, now you can never be, let's say, you know, greedy again. And I'm using greedy as an example that most Christians are greedy. You know, most, uh, particularly in a, in a Western, you know, sort of affluent, materialistic society. Um, but he goes, what if, what if this is number seven on the list of things that the Holy Spirit wants to sanctify in somebody? Or what if it's number 97 on the list of things in someone's life that the Holy Spirit wants to sanctify? And, you know, it's just stuff we got to think about. It's stuff we got to think about. And I get it. Jesus said to people, you know, he forgave them of their sins. And then he said, go and sin no more. And 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 there is a sense in, in repentance where, uh, and Preston says it well in the book. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, let me just read this from Embodied. Christian acceptance is always acceptance into a flawed community seeking holiness and repentance. It's acceptance into a countercultural family with a different pattern of life, a fresh way to be human, an otherworldly ethic rooted in creation and longing for resurrection. Acceptance is the first step of discipleship, and Christian discipleship is about pursuing the image of God created us to be. Let me I'm, let me read that again. And Christian discipleship is about pursuing the image of God created us to be. That's how it's supposed to read. Yeah, and so and by acceptance, he means accepting a person. Like, I love you. I accept you. You're trans. You're gay. Same-sex attracted. I accept you. I love you. Come here. Give me a big hug. Let's walk together. But also the, the path of discipleship is, is we're pursuing the image God created us to be. And different people are just going to be at different points in that journey. Uh, one of Preston's friends in, in the book, Leslie, who... He shared Leslie's story on video at his uh, leadership forum thing. Uh, super powerful, you know. She's a she's a strong Christian, and she's been on this path for a while. And in embodied, Preston says, you know, she prefers to be called they, them, as her pronoun. And she said, I think it's her. I might be mixing up stories, but I'm pretty sure I remember it being her. Uh, but anyway, it was somebody in there. I think it was Leslie said, if if you don't if I don't get called that, I, and again, I might be mixing, there's lots of stories in there. I'm just saying, don't quote me as misquoting the book. Uh, but someone saying they become suicidal if they're not called by that pronoun uh, or, or they become severely anxious and their anxiety becomes overwhelming. And, and they, they want to get to a point potentially where, where they don't need to be called that anymore. But for now they do. And, you know, it's just not to, to get out of that linear or to get out of that. It's the same for every person. 
And this isn't a perfect analogy by any means, but I always it always helped me with salvation. You know, I was I was raised in a sort of pray the prayer, instantaneous, you have a date of your salvation kind of thing, a date and a moment and a second. And I think I think it's true. I think for some people that's true. But that's a very Paul way to be saved. I don't mean his doctrine, I mean the way Paul was saved. I'm on the road to Damascus and I'm a Pharisee and I'm approving and promoting the killing of Christians and then boom the scales fall from my eyes right boom I'm blinded and and I hear Jesus and now in that moment I am a Christian forever I'm saved in that moment and then you have Peter and there's there's a, a type of Peter salvation too where I I would challenge you to look at the Gospels and the book of Acts and ask yourself when was Peter saved point to the verse because he professes Jesus as Lord and then he denies him as Lord, right? He Jesus calls him Satan at one point. You know, there's there's a whole journey that Peter was on and look, God is sovereign. I'm not saying you can go in and out of your salvation. I'm just saying there's layers to this stuff that we don't see <laughs> that we can't put into a formula. And so I think that's got to be true for sanctification as well, where where our job is to present the gospel. Our job is to love people. Our job is to walk humbly on this this path of discipleship uh, together. But there there is an element where God has got to do his work. And I think that's where we get worried. Uh, we get worried, you know, that married couple. And some listeners might be saying that, you know, my, my pastor's friends, uh, sister-in-law, who's married, some listeners, some of you might be saying, they, he better tell them to split up. Well, what if he doesn't? Is he not a real Christian? Is he? Are they not real Christians, let's say, if they accept Jesus? Or does that need to happen on day one? You accept Jesus and here's communion and you must divorce a marriage of you know 20 years or whatever it is. I'm not telling you I have the answers. <laughs> I'm just thankful God, we can rest in God. And I think there's we rest in God, we preach and teach the truth in a very humble way. We're not complacent about sin, but we also understand. I think we have to be that not all sins are are created equal in both in their their earthly consequences, as well as uh, they certainly they certainly all separate us from God and His holiness and and are in need of salvation. But uh, they different earthly consequences, but also in ramifications, but also just. You know, you can't. I like what Wesley said in last episode. He equated his his homosexual orientation to depression as an analogy. As an analogy, he said, you know, it's uh, depression is a part of a fallen world, but it's not. It's not sin. You know, I I don't have to live in shame because I'm depressed. Uh, that I'm in. I'm a sinner. You know, and that used to be what the church thought. You know, if you. If you were depressed, let me need to exercise a demon from you, or you're sinning, you're, you don't have enough faith, you know, those sorts of things. And just to understand that me going to look at pornography, though there's an addiction there, and we need grace there, uh, that choice in, in sinning in that way is, is different, very, very different than a, the trans person looking in the mirror at their, their body parts and... and physically can't look at themselves Phys- or, the, or the, the gender dysphoria Preston did a good job of helping me with that diversifying between the two but someone with gender d- dysphoria who, who may also uh, 
identify as trans, not taking showers because the BO is better than having to look at your, your anatomy and genitalia and go, that, that doesn't belong on my body. I have no way of comprehending that. That's not sin. You're not, <laughs> you're not sinning. Now, there's a path of discipleship. There's this path of pursuing the image God created us to be. But do you see the difference? Do you see, you know, do you see the difference? If I'm going to cheat on my taxes, that's sinning. That's very different. That's very, that's very different. Now, we're, we're, we're all, it's a conscious choice, right? And so just, just I hope that helps some. I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I think it's good to muddy the water sometimes. It's good to muddy the water. And wh- where did this come from for me? I'm telling you, just from pastoral ministry. And if you're in a church setting where you're not rubbing shoulders with gay or same-sex attracted people or trans, uh, gender dysphoria, uh, folks, if you're not in that type of setting, I mean, I think you really should question your church's your church's philosophy of ministry in general. So, be, because because uh, anyway, for me, let me go back. For me, that's where this stuff shifted. It was going, wow. My friendship with you, my friendship with that person from earlier in the interview with Preston, uh, though we don't agree on things, and they know that their relationship to me is significant and it significantly helped me love people better, love them better and love gay and trans people better. And, and and I hope to continue to love gay and trans people better. And frankly, I have friends of a pastor that emailed me after a podcast I did. No. Yeah. A blog post I did about Wesley's book. And, and as excuse me, his email helped me stay grounded in scripture and uh, and so I'm very thankful for that as well. And so so thank you so much for listening and going on this journey. And I pray that you let it be a journey, that you let the Holy Spirit do do this work, this very important work in you. Next comes the part of the show that I know you've all been waiting for or dreading. I don't know. I don't know which one it might be. But we are preparing ourselves for Noah's rant. You can't just jump right into Noah's rant. You have to pause. You have to prepare yourself. It's 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 a whole. It's really a whole process. So, so as to not to not shock the system. So, we try to use a little humor around here. We try to use a little comedy around here, and and we call it we call it Noah's rant. And so Noah's rant is coming up next. If you if you are not interested in in poor attempts at humor. At, at unsuccessful attempts at comedy, this would be your opportunity to take that off-ramp, the exit, uh, to, to get off the highway, off the podcast highway. We love you. We want you to subscribe. We want you to keep coming back. If Noah's Rant's not for you, that is okay. You are loved. And probably you're, you're much more intelligent than, than those of us who stick around uh, to listen to Noah's Rant. So props to you, honestly. Props to you. But Noah's Rant, it's a bit different. It's, it, 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 it's, it, has no, it has no real redeeming qualities to it. it if, if, if you're interested in spiritual growth and uh, intelligent conversation, we've done a lot of that. that. That part's now over. That part's now over. And uh, Noah's Rant's not for the faint of heart. Noah's Rant. It exists to it does exist to make the world a better place, and it's it's doing a bang up job of that. If you haven't noticed, if you've looked around, it went since Noah's rant started till today. I mean, wow, the world's doing great, isn't it? 
So, without further ado, Noah's rant. Noah's rant. All right, so today we're talking about, well, before we get to what we're talking about, it's that time of year everybody gets sick. I mean, a little different this year. If you have a little sniffle, everybody thinks it's COVID, and you got to make sure it's not COVID, and I get all that. But that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this time of year, every year, January, at least around here, everybody gets sick in January. Everyone's got a, got a sore throat, a cough, uh, some sniffles. So this dude... The other day, he's got he's got the sniffles. He's he's you know got to be blowing his nose, and he he pulls out a, a a cloth handkerchief from his pocket, and he blows his nose in the cloth hanky, the handkerchief, wet, warm, disgusting snot fills the hanky, and then he 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 folds or or wads it back up. And, and puts it back into his pocket, as if nothing happened, as if there was nothing wrong with, with what he just did. Now, look, let me warn you now. But we're at, we're at level 6 out of 10 right now. It's, we're going up. We're going up. I'm telling you, get off the highway now. <laughs> that middle schooler inside. Sometimes he needs he needs some space. He needs to he needs to stretch sometimes, and he's he's coming out. He's coming out. It's happening. I'm telling you, I'm warning you. You cannot you cannot judge me. I don't want any I don't want any negative criticism of the immaturity of Noah's rant when I've warned you to stop listening. So, so dude blows his nasty snot into his his cloth hanky and puts it back in his pocket. That's and I, I said to him, dude, that's so filthy disgusting. Use a paper tissue and then throw your nasty snot in the garbage where it belongs. And the dude justifies his behavior. He says, Oh no, man, no. The cloth the cloth is so soft on, on my nose. You know you know how your nose gets raw after using tissues a bunch? Well, well, my nose never gets raw doing this, using a cloth hanky. And I'm going, dude, I don't really care <laughs> about your nose getting raw. You just filled up snot in a cloth and you put it in your pocket where your hand is going to go, where your keys are. You're going to pull that same nasty cloth out 10 minutes from now. You're going to reapply your nose to the same nasty, wet, sticky snot that's in the cloth. It didn't go anywhere. It's not magical. It's not, it's not like a magic cloth that you can do a little abracadabra on. Poof! And all the snot's gone. And the cloth is the the cloth is is uh is is clean again for you to use on your nose. No, that snot is still there. You are you are re reuse you're reapplying the snot back to your nose your nose is gonna <laughs> you're you're it's gonna have the snot from your old nose blow onto the new nose blow when you when you stick it onto your nose now there's a reason 
friend. There's a reason that we use paper toilet paper. See, there's a reason that you use the toilet paper. You you use it for its God-designed purpose, and then you dispose of it. You flush that down the drain. Nobody is is creating cloth toilet paper, okay? I, I don't care about irritation. I don't care about about that little red you get on your nose or elsewhere. Uh, nobody cares. I don't care, frankly, about the environment. I do care about the environment in general. But when it comes to toilet paper, no. I'm not, I am not using a cloth toilet paper to uh, clean up and then stuff that thing back in my pocket. You know why? Because that's... You know what? Disgusting. That's really <laughs> disgusting. That is filthy and vile. I wouldn't want that filthy vileness in my pocket to pull back out later and reapply onto my body, let alone where I will be sticking my hand in my pocket or other items in my pocket like my keys or my wallet, which is disgusting and is exactly what you are doing <laughs> with your cloth hanky and your nasty snot that you are touching again and reapplying to your face that is disgusting all those kleenex brands they all make the kind with the lotion in them if you if you got a sensitive nose you know do that do do what you need to do i'm not judging you for that but you got to understand how filthy and vile and disgusting your cloth handkerchief is it must stop Noah's rant is here to make the world a better place. We have got to stop using cloth handkerchiefs. Now, <laughs> look, look, uh, someone emailed me that's probably hopefully still listening about my cloth uh, what I, napkins last episode. I don't have a thing against cloth. <laughs> it might feel that way. My last two Noah's rants were about cloth napkins and now cloth handkerchiefs. So please don't be distracted. This distraction is a tool of the evil one to get you to get off track of what we are talking about here, which is cloth handkerchiefs filled with snot and boogers that do not belong in your pocket or back on your hands or back on your face. I feel so bad for your... This dude's wife, she's got to be smooching him on a, a, a smoochy nose and face that's got reused snot on it. That is not good for your marriage, bro. That's not good for your sexual purity. I wrote a book on sexual purity. I am an expert on this. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants a snotty face. So that's it. It's generational, maybe. You know what? But sometimes we got we to gotta put the foot down. Sometimes what's right is more important than what what's culturally appro what's culturally normal for a generation. And so if you grew up in the cloth hanky generation, guess what? I, I'm an eight on the Enneagram and I'm telling you, you're wrong. Throw away your nasty handkerchiefs. Go wash them and then and then make a quilt out of them if you'd like and put up a trophy of all the snot that you used to wipe all over your face and start using cloth tissues like the rest of civilized society boom you heard it here on the flip side that was noah's rant presented by angry brew coffee that's right angry brew is actually the official sponsor of noah's rant i have a, a sponsor enabling me to do noah's rant now so
That's pretty fantastic. I hope that you enjoyed Noah's rant. I hope that you enjoyed episode 42 of the Flipside podcast. We like to keep it real on the flip side. We also like to keep it fun. Sometimes it's a little bit weird doing both, but we do we do our best. We do our best. Subscribe to the podcast. As I mentioned, stay tuned for next episode. I'll be interviewing Lori Krieg. She wrote the book An Impossible Marriage with her husband. Her, she co-wrote the husband. Uh, <laughs> she co-wrote the book with her husband Matt. What our mixed orientation marriage has taught us about love. And the gospel, you won't want to miss it. Thank you for going on this journey and participating in this conversation with me. I will see you next time. The Flip Side with Noah Filippiak. On the Flip Side. South Francis Press Production. Copyright Noah Filippiak. www.noahfilippiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Used with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Yow, yow, dripping in that gall that don't perish. People selling fake, see the green around their belly. Taking refuge in his hand, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see them in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom?